Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Guardian. This podcast contains conversations about violent crime, which some listeners may find disturbing. Parental guidance for children is strongly advised. Some of our participants have changed their names for this podcast. How does a young person keep themselves safe? And how can elders in the community help them? Why are they carrying a knife in an area where they know people, but they feel like they have to acquit themselves from other people? It's a central question in Bristol and surrounding areas where there's been a 29% increase in knife crime between 2013 and 2016. And the way Street Doctors works is to look at where where we needed, basically. Um, and we saw, based on A&E admissions and police data, that the youth violence problem in Bristol was increasing. Um, so that's kind of been the state since 2014. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be getting much better. Last year... The Guardian tracked all the deaths of young people due to knife crime and explored the themes that emerged in an award-winning series, Beyond the Blade. We found out that around half of all teen and child knife deaths take place outside of London. Though to look at the media, you'd never know it. I look at Bristol as a small kind of London, really. Nobody in Bristol thinks there are easy answers but all agree that nothing can happen unless people reach out across generations to connect with those most likely to be affected. That gap needs to be built up a a bit sooner, you know, as opposed to, yeah, just waiting to hear hear from me because I'm waiting to hear from the next generation as well. So we're all waiting and there's no real, like, action happening, happening, happening. Rather than report on their conversations, we let them speak for themselves. If we had more people from the community in better jobs, better positions, automatically, I guarantee, the crime will change. Automatically. Because now they're looking at the stuff. They're looking at people differently. But we're not seeing that. I'm Gary Young, and this is Beyond the Blade. Pagans lurking, and their undercovers I know that for certain. I know parents hurting for the things that we did as kids. We were just clouded, wasn't on purpose. I wanna make up for precious time that I lost, but I'm one man and I'm doing so much. And deep down, I wish I could swing by the clock. I use my experiences as um, a way of expressing myself, and um, now it's more of a um, like a reflection. So I'm reflecting on it and I'm separating what I did from like what I can learn from. Okay, my name's Wiz. Yeah, I write lyrics, take pictures, uh, make films, and um, I socialize. Talk a lot of good, 
positive stuff in the community and stuff like that. Yeah. Like as a as a musician, I guess like I I, I was inspired by like of um, artists who are now big. Do you know what I mean? Big in the game, and um, I didn't get that kind of like uh, support. At the time, I guess people weren't really seeing what I was seeing coming from London to Bristol. Do you know what I mean? I kind of had a bit more of a vision in that sense. And um, yeah, I didn't get the support I needed. So I feel like I can give that back now. You know, that's what I would want to give back as well. Would you like to meet and discuss the same thing for the following? Yeah. Yes. The same yes. But there's never been an action. Yes, Hi, yeah, I'm Jason Morrison. Um, I'm a community worker. Um, been working within the Eastern and Semples community for the last 12 years. Um, I specialise in conflict resolution and um, mediation. I'm, um, my main focus on my goals is young, um, getting young boys out of the gang, that gang life, the gang culture, and giving them hopes and dreams for a better future. I think the reason why knife crime are we focused on young people? Are we looking at a, are we looking at a way of survival? So we got, we got, if you look on knife crime and you got to ask the fundamental questions like why are people feel that they need to walk around with a knife? And I think that is the most fundamental question. Next question we got asked, um, why are they carrying a knife in an area where they grew up in, they know, they know people, but they feel that they have to equip themselves from, equip themselves from other people. So obviously there's a danger within the community and I think that's not something we're not focusing. What is the danger within the community? So people are carrying knives, the reason why they carry a knife. What, and this is a question you need to I always ask young people about. How do you keep yourself safe? Probably like I, I see like a 12 year old, how they protect themselves and what is out there. I mean, the pressures of a young person, especially like a young black boy, because I work with young, specifically with young, young black boys, the pressure was out there within the community. And um, the gang issues, the bullying, the peer pressure, the constant push of having these material stuff. They feel pressure that if I don't have this stuff, I'm not a part of this group. And um, I, um, so I would say knife crime, of my comment angle, it's a part, it's a being a part of a culture where they keep themselves safe and that's the way they see it or keeping themselves safe? I think there's not really one answer for it. I think a lot of it's down to why they do it is um, the right role models. So my name is Clayton Planter. I'm the founder of Street to Bordu, where people involved in legal activities or have been involved in legal activities and use the same skills to start their business the right way. The culture, the latest trend, um, and just, yeah, I think a lot of stuff, right? I don't think it's one point really, but I think generally the main thing is the culture, what you see is what you believe you become. And for many of these people, what they see is the, the gang culture, they see the videos, and they think, you know what, this is who I am. I'm Lauren and I'm from Street Doctors. So we teach at-risk young people what to do if someone's bleeding and if someone's unconscious. Um, well, we set up a team in Bristol in 2014 and the way Street Doctors works is to look at where, where we needed, basically. Um, and we saw, based on A&E admissions and police data, that the youth violence problem in Bristol was increasing. Um, so that's kind of been the state since 2014 and unfortunately it doesn't seem to be getting much better. You know, 
From what we've seen, young people carry knives, they're, they're telling us it's, it's because they're scared. Um, and I think there's this image of kind of people going out with a knife intent on doing some harm and really they're just carrying it because they're scared and they haven't made that connection that carrying a knife means they're more likely to get injured. They think, if I carry a knife, I'm protecting myself. And that's what they're telling us, not that they're going out there to deliberately hurt somebody, but that they're going, they're carrying it because they think they're less likely to get hurt themselves. So I think we need to look at the wider context of why that is, why they're needing to go out there, thinking that carrying a knife will make them safer and getting in there and educating them that actually it's the complete opposite, that carrying a knife makes them more likely to be injured or killed or get into a lot of trouble themselves if they injure someone else, which is the top and bottom of it. I think the thing that makes street doctors different is that we take violence is a public health issue. It is. It's like a virus. It sets in, it spreads in communities and there's no good just kind of treating the top layer of it. You can't just kind of give them a course of antibiotics and it's going to go away. We really need to get in there and start kind of vaccinating against it. Uh, we've been to Swindon, we've been to Gloucester and um, we're trying to reach out a bit more rather than staying in our Bristol bubble. So it's about giving them their own information, allowing them to join the dots, whereas I think traditional education on kind of knife crime and youth violence is very much sat in a classroom, don't carry a knife, don't do this, don't do that. But no one's actually given the young people the chance to kind of think through what would happen if they did carry a knife. And my friend was like, oh, will you And we really want them to join the dots themselves and go away thinking, okay, so let's not do that because this will happen. And spreading that amongst their peers, so we want them to kind of be the role models themselves rather than looking for a specific role model because there's no good me being their role model because my background is completely different to what theirs is, as I'm sure other people's is. We need them to be their own role models in their kind of friendship group. Yeah, I was, what's it called, living in supported housing. That's for people who are homeless and now they're trying to like, you know, build themselves back up so they get support. So I was one of those and I was homeless at a young age, you know, and um, yeah, they housed me as a vulnerable person. And before that, like, cause I was, I'm from London, you know, there's like elements that I, I was drawn to in the street, uh, on the street in Bristol. And Bristol has this own like culture. So getting into that actually I made myself even more vulnerable, basically. You said Bristol got this culture. Yeah. When I was growing up, a group of friends, it seemed like all my friends were drug dealing. Yeah. You know what I mean, with the area. And, um, it's very hard to go against the current. Mm. Very, very hard, you know what I mean? Um, by the time when I was 12, 13, I was totally against carrying a weapon. By the time I reached 15, I was carrying a weapon every day. You know what I mean? So, it's, this, this, is, this is me, I'm 44, yeah? I'm way back. Now, it's quite, nice to hear a young man as you talking about similar thing is it worse for young people now or is it the same like from back in the day do you reckon young people have more pressure to carry weapons or got more pressure to be in front of a gang or more pressure to get in the criminal especially living in Bristol is you reckon young people is it more pressure for them now, nowadays uh, I feel like yeah in a way there is more pressure because how would I explain that is basically people who have the idea to do something and they're not doing it, it's basically because there's a life there's a life balance, yin and yang balance. 
to everything, you know? So if the good person's not doing their thing, the bad person's doing their thing. So I feel like there's still that pressure out there. There's not that hub for them that I'm, I'm making. Some ambiance. So like you're saying, you're, you're, you're 44 and you, it's good to hear from me. But before today, there wasn't that connection of us going together. So I could be going through what I'm going through and then you're only learning it now. Just like if I started a, a workshop for a young person, they'll, I'll be only learning their struggle th at that time. Do you know what I mean? And I think that, that, that gap needs to be built up a, a bit sooner, you know, as opposed to, yeah, just waiting to hear from, hear from me because I'm waiting to hear from the next generation as well. So we're all waiting and there's no real, like, action happening, 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 you know? It's funny how the lift's not working today, isn't it? It's working, but the light's broken. Light? Yeah, so you're literally right. pitch. Kind of scary. Darkness. <laughs> and it's really small, yeah. For all them claustrophobic Hamilton house users. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they just have to shut off the lift. Thank you. Did you open that? Hmm? You said something about role models. There are role models. But they're not identify as great people. Boy. All right, look at it. All right, a black man, a young, a black man grew up in a community. We have a solicitor on Stapleton Road. They said Stapleton Road was, the, was like ten years ago was the most dangerous road in the UK. We have a solicitor run by a black man um, on Stapleton Road. That is a perfect role model for me. But guess what? How many times is he used as a bit to be a role model? There's certain gang members. I don't want to say no names. They are looked on us. Oh, well, I changed my lifestyle, so I'm this now. But they are, the young guys will look up to a gang member as a role model rather than the, my friend who ran the sisters. You know what I mean? So, role models is out there, but it's like the psyche. Like, why are you striving to, to look up a certain a person who's from road and from street as a role model, where that's someone who's, doing ve who's very successful in this kind of in the society we live in? A lot of it's down to because coming out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you can't see that person within you. Yeah? Um, so I think generally a lot of it times is that's why a lot of young people don't relate to the guy that's listening to the guy. Even if it's a solicitor and they can see him on Stapleton Road, but for some reason it's too far-fetched to them. They've realised that he's gone to university, they've realised that he might have a top degree, they've realised a lot of things that he's come from a different background. He might be born in a community, but he's had a different upbringing. So there's a lot of it's done to it, and I think generally that's why a lot of young people can't relate to that person. We look at society, we look at quality, and we look at diversity. And some people say, why is there no women in higher positions? Why is there no more diverse in black and ethnic people employment? Everybody knows it. You just go to the black community and you just try and get more women. But why does people not do it? Because the reason why a lot of people don't do it, because it's coming out of your comfort zone, and people sometimes just don't like change. That happens generally in society. Once you understand that, then you've got to look at the system a different way. I would say this is more like Campton, Campton Town, then London. That kind of urban kind of, like, you know what I mean? That kind of organic kind of feel like Campton Town. So this is where we're at at the moment. Um, Montpellier, really. I look at Bristol as a small kind of London, really. If we had more people from the community in better jobs, better positions, automatically, I guarantee, the crime will change automatically because now they're looking at other stuff. They're looking at people differently. 
But we're not seeing that. If anything, it's the same type of people, mostly all across the world. That didn't happen by accident. Is that, do you think, because as soon as you're kind of setting these young people up for failures before they're starting off on the back burner, as soon as they're reluctant to try anything new because no one's there to sing their praises when they do something amazing, but as soon as they do the slightest thing that could be questionable, not even wrong, or make a mistake, like we're only human, we all make mistakes, but then someone's jumping on them straight away, you've done this, you've done it wrong. So it kind of sets them up, so what's the point in me trying to change? Because someone's just waiting for me to fail. It's trying to break down that barrier where there's young people out there doing amazing things every day. Like, they're helping their friends when they're injured. They're, you know, trying their best to do kind of whatever they can, but no one's there saying, oh, well done, you've done amazing. You know, you've, you've managed to get to school today, which for some young people could be really difficult. No one's there saying you've managed to get to school today. All they're saying is, well, you weren't in school the day before. They're all too busy waiting for people to make a mistake and jump on them straight away rather than, you're amazing, let's go from there. What area are we in now? So we're in Central, Broadmead. This is like the central um, central shopping centre of Bristol. Yeah. We've got a few like you have in London, but this is the main one. You know, Oxford Circus is the main place. This is the main place in Bristol, Broadmead. So. And where's, I mean, are there areas of Bristol where the crime is especially bad or is it just all over? I think Yemen is the main areas when you look at the inner cities. Um, South Bristol, a bit of North Bristol as well, yeah? But it's usually the place that's more disadvantaged. Yeah. Opportunities, low employment, the usual. And I think it's not just like that with Bristol, I think it's just like that worldwide. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Monster, yeah. <laughs> okay, no, no, it's quite yes, because um, what I'm hearing from you is like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the gap between the elders and younger is getting more and more further. Mm-hmm. And um, the elders not really connecting with the youngers as such, or the youngers not going to the elders and getting advice. There's, there's a lack of, um, not lack, not so much lack of respect, mm-hmm. but if I got beef on the street, a new young guy, you don't go to older and ask for it. You'll go to your friends then. Yeah. You know, I understand that. So that lack of, not so much lack of trust, but lack of, um, What's the best words to say? I can't mean. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faith. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lack of faith with the with the elders, and I believe the last 15, 20 years that gap has been getting wider and wider and wider. And um, so as an elder, I would love to know as a and you as a young person, what as an elder we can do to have a major impact on you guys. You know what I mean? So you could carry on the legacy and pass it on to the young people, and I'll start start working towards bridging that gap because. Knife crime and gang crime is because of that gap. So as I go back to it, what as an adult, I demand the person, what can we do to start bridging that gap for you young guys so you can have a major impact? That is a good ass <laughs> fucking question, man. <laughs> that I is, want to know. Do you want something that you want to know? What can we do yeah. as an adult? Yeah. Personally, I think you know, the young people don't know because I think the young people are thinking they're looking for the inspirations, they're looking for the role models and they're looking for the next generation to show them away. Because a lot of it, what the young people are doing is followed by a trend. Most young people got knives just because in America they started to bring knives and guns. Most young people's involved in kind of this gang culture is involved in rap music. Most people involved in it is like Air Jordans. So it's a culture thing, but it's a fashion thing to them. So I think generally, was a lot of young people, they don't really know really what they want. I think a lot of them really don't really want to live the life that they're living. 
if I'm honest to you, I think that's the real I think that's the real deal of it. But at the same time, they don't really know what they really want to do because they don't see people in that situation, what they can relate to, to be what they want to be. If I never seen Puff Daddy or um, Jay Z own a record company or business, I probably would not be the business person. So what I'm trying to say a lot of it is that if you don't see what's out there, you can't aspire to it. For me, I've always looked at like solution base growing up as a child and being an adult really. And I remember growing up and thinking to myself, I wasn't involved in crime. I went to a mostly a white school, I was head boy and sports captain. There was 10 BME people in my year. And I always looked at like the person involved in crime was kind of the, the glamorous person at all the cars and stuff. And I realized that most people who had the academic and a good job look quite boring for modesty. And I remember growing up like that, I'm thinking to myself, well, I want that, I want the kind of, the culture, the gang culture, but not be involved in gang, but I still want the academic. And I've always been at that part of my life, so I've always put those two elements together. So when 2016 came along and we started Street to Boardroom, that's exactly what I did was a title. And really what it means is that you can actually look like a street person or urban person or wear your tracksuit, but you can also be a business person at the same time. And that's what we wanted to do, really. So with Street to Boardroom, what we do is we do a four-week course what covers street versus corporate business. So on the street side, you've got your product, the drugs. On the corporate side, you've got your product, the coffee. On the street side, you've got your crew. On the corporate side, you've got your team. On the street side, you've got your boss man. On the corporate side, you've got your manager. On the street side, you get shot, stabbed, go to prison. And on the corporate side, you turn bankrupt and lose your job. So when you think about it, the person involved in crime takes more risks than the person in the corporate world. I've always said to people, if you change those roles around, I guarantee the person involved in crime does much better in the corporate world than the corporate world does in the streets. So why are we not engaging these people to transfer their skills over? We look at mindsets, value and beliefs. We look at business plan. We look at presentations and we do something like Dragon's Den. However, the difference what we do compared to a lot of courses, we actually do that in a corporate setting. So we do it something like Wall Street in the daytime in Wall Street. So you've got that environment. You don't actually just get the skills. You actually come out of your comfort zone into an environment what you're not used to. And what's quite bizarre about it is that when we actually do the course, they think the person who actually runs the course is the person in the suit, but they find out the person who actually runs the course is myself wearing the tracksuit. So I'm here in a corporate setting of Wall Street saying in the daytime, everybody's wearing suits. These guys and girls are coming with their track suits. I'm running the session in my tracks and they're thinking, wow, everything I thought I couldn't do, I can do. Going against the status quo is a really difficult thing to do and it doesn't end as soon as they decide to go against the status quo. It's a continuous process. And I think just reflecting on my own experience, I'm kind of working class girl from the northeast that's been kind of thrust into medical school and all these people of that, even myself, I constantly feel inferior to. And I think that is amplified on a massive scale. Um, going, as you say, from the street or into the corporate world, I can only imagine how hard that must feel for them. And 
as well as supporting them to make that choice, we need to keep supporting them after they've made that choice. I don't know, they've handed a knife in, brilliant, but let's stop them deciding that actually I'm going to get another one because this has happened. We need to keep them on that path that they've chosen to go on. No, what's, what is our interpretation of masculinity? And um, as I said, three men in the room, four. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I think we might have a different version of what's mine. So I come from a mom and dad in the household. My dad was a very strong person in the household. Yeah. So that is my shape or blueprint of masculinity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or what is a man, a provider. Yeah. Now, speak to some other guys who didn't have their dad in a household. That's what is thing. their version of masculinity? Yeah. It's, I know it's like friendship group. Like, as I said, a group of, I come from a large friendship group. Uh, my, uh, the whole group, it's just me and my other friend, was, was we had mum and dad at home. So there was the whole masculinity thing, talking, just how the way of conversation with them. It, it was the, the, how they received it was differently. Like they find it offensive when I'm talking to them strong. They find it very offensive. They get all um, sensitive with the situation. You know what I mean? Where they're done, nah, just take it as a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. My issue is like, what is it, a lot of young guys nowadays, what is their version of a man and how do they see a man? And um, the last few years, like I said, last 10 years, the actual shape or the idea of a man have changed. Because um, growing up as a young guy, didn't see men pushing pram on the street, didn't see men changing nappies, didn't see men in the household cooking. Now that's all changed. And the funny thing about it, there's a lot of um, men's suicides going on at the moment, not just in the UK. And the reason why is because the man's role now we don't actually know what the man's role is. You know? Things have changed, you know? And a lot of things have changed for the better. Women got more higher jobs now, more professional jobs. Men obviously changing nappies, pushing prams. But society's changed is that men feel nowadays is they don't know their purpose in life. And a lot of men are thinking, if I don't work and I can't support my family, my mum, mum, when my mum's struggling to pay the gas electric, we're gonna get kicked out of the house. That's what they're thinking. And if you ever got that dad role model around, you're thinking, wow, wow. The, the gas and electric is going, the bailers is coming around. I need to make some money, yeah? So the person on the road was thinking, why? I need to make a quick change. And this is the only way I can make the change to support our family. So when you think about it, even as you do want to do right, the system traps you to do wrong. And a lot of young people now, they're coming from single family holds. It's not like our generation, where a lot of it used to be with mum and dad around. And, it, and if you're not parents ain't together, they will, you still get some support by your parents. Maybe go to the weekend, summer holidays. If not, you had your grandparents will kind of support you. Your uncle will take you out, and then you can let's go and play for pool or something like that. That's kind of gone. And the reason why a lot of that's gone is because of the pressure of life. Most people are working now, so time and time and time again. I think, yeah, what you said about, like, um, yeah, recognising, like, how people are pulling themselves away. I think there's not enough of that, like, putting it on a high pedestal kind of thing. I'm definitely someone who's decided to pull away from that, and the perception on me is like, oh, he's a joke, man, he's not serious about what he wants to do. He's like, rare, rare, rare. And this is coming from the street guys. 
you know? They have no idea about, like, this interview right now. Like, with The Guardian, they'll probably say, oh, that's big, like, with The Guardian, like, raw. Like, I didn't even know that, do you know what I mean? I didn't even know what it was going to be, and I don't know what's going to happen to the recording. But, like, just being here and talking to, like, people who are working with The Guardian, that's, that's still a big thing, isn't it? You know, and I'm not going to get the recognition I reckon I should deserve because I got up this Sunday morning and I decided I want to do something. I want to speak. I want to get in the conversation. You know what I mean? There's not many people that's getting in the conversation, but they stand up on the street with their screw faces, selling their drugs. They've got something they want to say, but they're not going to say it. And the person who's actually trying to vocalise this and visualise it and give it to other people, they should, he, he deserves respect, isn't it? But no, because you're not wearing the Gucci, innit? Or you don't have that type of thing no more. You don't have enough expenses because you're thinking about your bills and you're thinking about your this and your that. And, you know, you have other ideas now and you want to do stuff, something different. So, yeah, that, that's how I'm seeing things, innit? What do I need now? Um, I think I just need more, like... I don't know. I don't know what I need. I think I need a lot of stuff. <laughs> so let's be realistic. I know that life is a gift. I know that there was a part of my life that weren't so afraid to live. I can't say what really changed. Because I'm dealing with what that brings. My friends are built on pretenses that shadow that they once thought is whiz. I can't be the only one. Trying to like a dark place in my heart. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. No one shows their loss when I pass, just me Throwing up O's in bris Tryna be honest and take me far Wanna be loyal but it short more flaws Tryna be brave but it brought more war The path that I step, it closed more doors I feel like I'm blind, I can't see the beauty On my own accord, I wanted to shine like jewelry You misunderstand me So I justify myself in front of the judge and the jury I might walk out with a big smile Cause I ain't got to waste no years But really I'm feeling deep down How did I get here? But no one really cares Cause the choice I made is mine And the risk I Take his final And my actions show the state of mind And my younger me couldn't be rivaled More like couldn't be guided Mom had love, try no There may not be any easy answers but that hasn't stopped many people like Wiz, Jason, Clayton and Lauren in trying to engage with some of the thorny questions in a bid to make things better. Behind the sensationalist headlines and salacious sound bites, real people are doing real work across the country to turn back the tide. With Beyond the Blade, we've sought to get behind the statistics that shine some light on how this was being lived and resisted, provide the facts that could help us make sense of what's happening, and challenge the kind of preconceptions that have been allowed to fester. Special thanks to Wiz, Jason, Clayton and Lauren for giving up their Sunday for this project and also to Hamilton House in Bristol for providing us with a space. If you want to find out more about Street to Boardroom or Street Doctors, we'll include links to both organisations in the episode's description on the Guardian website. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed, 
You can find advice and support at victimssupport.org.uk, knifecrimes.org or samaritans.org. We've included links to these organisations in the episode's description page at theguardian.com. This podcast featured Wiz, Jason, Clayton and Lauren. And from The Guardian, Caroline Bannock, Grace Shooty and Shanida Scotland. Some of the music you heard were original compositions by Wiz, details of which can be found in the episode's description on the Guardian website. This podcast was produced by Max Sanderson with Wiz, Jason, Clayton, Lauren, Caroline Bannock, Grace Shooty, Shanida Scotland and Lindsay Poulton. And the presenter was Gary Young. If you want to find out more about our Beyond the Blade project, head to theguardian.com and search Beyond the Blade. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. 